0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We are on this series, as you saw on the screen, Live No Lies, and that's based off of John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies. And we have copies that we are selling out in the foyer as well as the the study guide now. If you want to go through it, go through it with friends or family or um, a small group because there's just so much in that book that really speaks to our cultural moment. Some of the, the great enemies of our soul, you know, like, and we've, over the last few weeks, the world and the devil and last week, the flesh, you know, just learning about these things that actually are, are in battle for us. And the enemy, he's always used lies. That's his, that's his one and only trick. And so we need to know the truth. And the best way to know the truth is that we have God's word. You know, God's word is absolute truth. It is actually something that does not change. Although the culture around it changes and wants to add to it or take away from it, this word doesn't change. It is absolute truth. And Aaron, I'm using the NIV translation today, all day. You're gonna love that, yep. Just the good word of God, yes, that we're gonna read from today. And before I jump into my, you know, that lie of the enemy that we're gonna hone in on today, I just wanna pray actually a scripture over you from first, um, or from Colossians chapter one, verse nine. And I just pray this over you. I was praying this over you this week, and I pray it over you so you can hear my words. I continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. May we grow this morning. May we grow in the knowledge of God. Like Jer mentioned last week, you know, it's in the knowing. God wants us to know him. He makes himself available. He's not hiding from us. He is actually present and with us. And he says, get to know me. Because as we get to know God, that's when we understand truth. And that's when we are able to, to surrender our lives to the one who sees and knows it all, and he is so good. And it's funny, because this morning, where I'm going to go today is actually on fear. And didn't Pastor Mike just, like, start us off? I was like, that is just so powerful how God weaves things together, because fear is honestly what we see all around us. And we are actually only born with two innate fears, and that's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. When you're a baby, that's what you're born with. And then all the other fears that we currently have, which I definitely have more than two, there is, those are learned or exper- through experience or what's been passed down. And so we have to look at, okay, what am I fearing? And what's actually causing me to draw away instead of step in? Because God wants us to defeat that lie of the enemy. Because the, the lie of the enemy is that you, you can't do this that you can't make it, you can't figure it out, you can't make a good decision, you can't raise that three-year-old, you can't raise those teenagers, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so then it makes us unable and incapable to actually do anything because we are then stuck in fear. And the Bible says, fear not. But I ask you today, what are some of your fears? Maybe it's the future. I mean, who's not scared of the future sometimes? It's like, what is going to happen? The future, are you, are you scared maybe of Mondays? Or do you fear, it's like tomorrow, oh boy, I have to go back to that again, that situation again, that challenging relationship, that challenging person at work or at school? Do you fear tough conversations that you need to have? Do you fear your three-year-old in a grocery store? They're ticking time bombs. You never know when that thing is going to go off. And you're like, okay, I can do this. you got to psych yourself up. Do you fear maybe your teenagers? It's like, I just like to bubble wrap them and stick them in just like time capsule for a few years, let their brains develop, and then set them free. I'm sure it will work out okay. (laughs) That just seems like a good idea. I fear the choices that they might make or that I might make on behalf of them. And you're like, oh. I need wisdom. And that's what the Bible says, fear not, for I am with you. That's so great. He didn't stop at fear not, for I am with you. Like, that's the other half of the equation. And it says in God's word, it says to fear God. Fear God and God alone. Wow. So we are meant to fear, but we've displaced it. We've put it in the hands of our own psyche or in the hands of someone else. And God is saying, fear me. And when you fear God, guess what? There is wisdom, there is knowledge, there is a fountain of life, there is healing. There's all these promises that come with actually fearing God. We are meant to fear, but we are meant to fear God. He is the one who reminds us what we need. Now, fearing God, sometimes I know we've had this conversation in our home where it's like, what does fearing God mean? He's like, ah, no, you're here again. No, that's not the kind of fear he's talking about. What God is saying is that you look to me and you stand in awe and in surrender and you can completely trust me because I can see it all. I have, I have your whole story. I know your history. I know your future, and I've got this, so lean into me. Get to know me, and then you will trust in me, and that's what fear is. Fear in God is saying, okay, I don't have this, but you have this. I know you see this situation, and I'm going to trust you in this situation. That's what it means to fear God. And, you know, in the service intro every week, we hear these three phrases. And if you have voltage children, they can recite these to you after service to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and carry on Jesus' mission to the world. Those, those three phrases are, are meant to be what, what compels us to fear God. Because to carry out the mission of Jesus Which we'll talk more about later, it causes us, we need that fear of God. We need to trust in Him completely because He's the one who's got this. Now, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to, write this down because I'm going to say it and Kay is going to keep track how many times I say it. Okay, what is promised is possible. Fear God, not man. I I thought it was great even singing Every Victory, that song. It was so powerful. It's like, it's not singing one victory. It's like every victory. (laughs) That's so good. It's like God has got your victory. You have victory in Christ. And that is so powerful. What God has promised means it's possible. And we can fear God and not man. Now, the way that we're going to make our way through this, this idea of fearing God and not man is uh, Psalm 56? I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me this psalm, and it's going to be the backbone of of how we work this out today. And so, if you have a Bible, either on your phone or in your hands, you can open to Psalm 56, and it has just obviously God's word. It's just it's so fruitful because there is real truth that you can rely on and that can actually speak to you personally in your own personal situation. And it's so powerful. And when you read God's word, it's always helpful or a good idea to know who's writing this word and what's happening around them as they're writing it. So the character and the context is just a good idea. And Psalm 56 is actually written by David. He's a pretty well-known character in the Bible. Have you heard of David? Yes, no, yeah? You know, the one who killed Goliath, the one who, he was a king, he made some bad choices, he was a man after God's own heart, he was, he defeated a lion and a bear, he was a shepherd, he was also the eighth son of Jesse, and Jesse was a man who was promised, prophesied, that out of his line, the savior of the world would be born. So that's David's future, is that out of his line, Jesus Christ would be born. And it's kind of cool, actually, because David's two sons, one down the line gave birth to Mary, and one down the line gave birth to Joseph. So Joseph and Mary both came from that line, even though Joseph, you know, he's not really involved in the DNA part of Jesus, but you know, he was his earthly father anyways. But This is the line, uh, this is David who's, who's sharing this message. And the context that we find David in is he has just defeated Goliath not too long ago, and now he's seized or captured by the Philistines and being pursued by Saul's servants who hate him. So he is alone and afraid and desperate when he writes this psalm. And I thought, isn't that kind of like like my life, maybe like yours, where it's like you have this epic victory. It's like, yeah, I just told Satan where to go and how to get there and it's like I defeated his lies and then you turn around and it's an hour later, a week later, and you're just like (sighs) running away from the enemy and believing his lies again. It's like, it's a daily battle, a moment by moment battle and that's why God says, you gotta come to me come to me, right? It's a daily, daily decision to, to come under his word and his leading. So this is how David starts in this psalm. Be merciful to me, my God. I think that is so powerful. You know, that he would humble himself and remind himself that it is only by the mercy of God that he actually has what he needs. It is through God and his mercy. Oh, he just puts God in the right place just starting off. It's so powerful. And then it says, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. So David knows what it's like to live in fear, and he's he's running from people. He's not just like afraid of the board meeting. He's running from people who are physically trying to kill him. Do you know what's crazy about fear, though? Is that fear is a physiological like condition as well. When you are scared of something, stuff happens to your body. Has anybody ever experienced that? Just the like, you know, you lose all, you can't, Your brain, yeah, it's not working. All your blood goes to your extremities so you can run fast because your body does not know if you're running from a bear or if you just have to make a phone conversation that's freaking you out. Isn't that crazy? It's like, oh, but God didn't mean for us to live that way. And there's people, so many thousands of people who die every year because... They actually give in and they live in that stress, right they live in that anxiety, they live in that fear, and so God says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. you know, come take your yoke, and we 're going to share it together because i want to I want to be able to carry that burden with you that 's what Jesus says, and so we actually need him to figure out this fear stuff because we want to be Not afraid and to trust in him. And that's where David's going in this psalm. He says, When I am afraid. Isn't that great? It's like he knows me. I am afraid sometimes. I actually feel afraid. And um, actually, Kobe came down a couple weeks ago because he had just done his devotions and it was the story of David and Goliath. And he said, You know what, mom? David was scared when he fought Goliath. It's not that he wasn't afraid. It was because he knew how big God was. And isn't that the truth? It's like, when I am afraid, I will be afraid. You know, our, when our problems get too big, it's because our God has gotten too small. We just forget of how big our God is. And so this is what David says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, so I'm going to take that fear and I'm going to say, God, I stand in awe of you and what you're going to do. I trust you completely. In God whose word I praise. Isn't that cool? It is being in God's word that we can praise our way through the battle. We can actually praise God in the midst as we know his word, as we know his truth, as we dwell on what is good and right and lovely. That is how we can praise our way through it. And in God I trust and am not afraid. So that's where he goes to. It's like, man, I figured this out. I've put the fear in the right place, and now I'm not afraid anymore. Did you hear that? I'm not afraid anymore, if you know Home Alone. Okay we don't have to be afraid anymore. You know, reality wants to remind us how big our problems are, but we need to remind our realities how big our God is. You know, reality says, I just need more facts. I need to stay in control. I need to know what's gonna happen. I need to plan. I need to be aware of all the risk factors. And you know what? We can be celebrated for knowing all the risk factors, for having knowledge of a situation, for knowing how this is gonna work out. And I'm not saying that's bad, but let's not limit God when it comes to the promises that he's given us. And if you don't know any of the promises that God has given us in his word, here's two to start with, a hope and a future. We need to know that what is promised is possible. Therefore, we can can fear God and not man because he is that powerful. You know, when we read the stories of the Bible, which these are your stories, you know what? We are part of this history. We get to be part of God's people because Jesus, the Savior of the world, came so that we could be grafted in. To this family so these are your stories and so as you know these stories you get to know the character of god you get to know how he is faithful like sam shared how you get to know about his generosity his goodness his justice his rightness his grace there's just so much that we learn as we read the stories in his word and i just love how in first samuel you know i mentioned david and First Samuel. Yes, 1 Samuel verse 17 or chapter 17. It starts to talk about the details. Talk about knowing the details. You know, it's like, I want to know the details. Well, here were the details that teenage boy David was standing in front of. Del- Goliath, he was a champion. He was out of the Philistine camp. He was six cubits and a span high, like nine feet nine inches ish. That's a big dude. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That sounds really heavy. It's like 125 pounds. That's that's a little bit on your chest. On his legs, it's like me wrapped around his chest. That's great. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, knees to his ankles, and bronze javelins slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. Oh, wow. His shield bearer went out in front of him. So this guy is fully equipped. He's just like set up, ready for battle. And this is who David's kind of walking up to. Hey, dude, what's up? With his holy ripped jeans, you know, I'm cool. It's just ready to fight Goliath. And this is so crazy, this is his reality. This is his real story. This is what he's facing. And you know, there's another prophet in the Bible, his name is Nehemiah. And after being in captivity for a really long time, Nehemiah is told by God, you're gonna go rebuild Jerusalem. You're gonna go rebuild the wall. And Nehemiah's like, okay, got it. And he goes and he actually writes down all the things that are wrong. See, it's a spiritual gift here and he writes down all the things that are wrong, and then he goes back to the leaders, and he tells them all the things that are wrong about the situation, how horrible it is. It's like, okay, so this is great. But do you know what's so cool is that David, Nehemiah, and I could list many, many more who said, you know what, the promise of God is greater than what I see with my eyes, what is right in front of me. The reality, well, here's truth. You know, here's my reality, but here's truth. Here's the truth that God has promised it. So it is possible. Therefore, I can fear God and not man. We all face realities, but we also serve God the same God of David, the same God of Nehemiah. You know that song we sing? I won't sing it, but I'm calling on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous. I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own giants. We shout that. We shout every victory is yours. Let's believe it. God is the great one who is to be feared, and that's What David says in Psalm 56, he says, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And he keeps, he keeps preaching to himself, which I just love. In verse 10 and 11, it says, in God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise. Remember, the Bible is really important. His word, his word, his word, his word. He keeps repeating it. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? You know, sometimes we need to preach to ourselves over and over again. It's like, Oh, yeah, right. This is the heaven reality. This is the new reality that because Jesus Christ stepped onto the planet fully man, fully, fully God and he changed everything from that first Adam in our story to now the last Adam. Now we have a new reality that has begun, a heaven's reality that we can now hold to and we can trust in, we can trust in the promise that there is a future for each one of us. There is a story that connects to God's big story that that you have, you are holding it, you are experiencing it, you are meant to live it out. And it is because God is so good that he wouldn't want to leave you and say, you do this on your own. It says, no, in God I trust. I can know that you are with me and that I do not need to be afraid anymore. What can mere mortals do to me? What can man do to me? And I'm like, oh, a lot. <laughs> right? You're like, those are good words, David. But man, man, man can make life challenging. It can, it, man can make your life very difficult. Isn't that true? If you don't agree with or, or um, go along with what people have to say, but we have to remember that we still hold to the promise of God and that lie of the enemy who wants to say that, you know what, you need to come with me. It's like, no, no, I have a father who cares desperately about me and I'm sticking with him because I trust in his goodness. And our God is so awesome and amazing, and even when you read the stories of God's people, you know, the Israelites, they were God's people, and they were under oppression of of the Pharaoh in Egypt, and God sent crazy awesome plagues that it was just like, okay, plague after plague after plague, so that Pharaoh finally let the Israelites go. And the Israelites, they set out, and God protected them with a cloud by day, and he, and he guided them with a fire by night, and he sent, like Pastor Mike said, there was manna that would be all over the ground, and they would collect it every day, and there was meat that fell from the sky, and water from a rock. There was so many crazy, miraculous signs and wonders. And yet, they still didn't really trust in their God so many times, and we're just like, why? And then if you fast forward hundreds of years later, Jesus, fully man, fully God, he steps on the planet, he starts doing crazy awesome stuff too, because remember, he's the son of God, so he's doing these incredible things for people to see. He's changing water into wine, and he's healing the sick, and he's resurrecting the dead, dead, dead people. It's just like, awesome what he's doing. He's multiplying food for thousands of people. And yet, this is what we read in John. It's just so crazy. It's like, okay, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him still not believing still that same heart oh i don't know yet at the same time many among the leaders believed in him okay some are starting to believe but because of the pharisees they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue what do we fear being left out of is it is it the the group the club the celebration sometimes because i'm sorry This is just not what God says is best for my body or for my my mind. So I'm maybe left out of things. Where do we fear to acknowledge our faith in Jesus Christ? Because what might man say to me? What might she say to me? We just all have this deep-seated desire to be liked and accepted and even praised for how we're living our life or the decisions we're making. And yet, there's gonna be times, and I feel like 2022 is a time like none other where you're n- not gonna necessarily believe what other people believe. Yeah. The truth that is not your truth, it's not this like, I'm looking deeper and deeper inside and you know, everybody has their own truth and we're all a whole bunch of truth factories on our own. And yet, it's like, no, God's truth. God's truth is the one that we hold to because God's truth is what leads us and guides us. It says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. That is not what we're called to. We are called to actually love the praise of God more than people because he who has promised is faithful and we can know that he is good. And to be part of that mission with Jesus, which is to make disciples, actually make people, help people follow Jesus, if that's what we're supposed to do, then we better be fearing God and not man. Fearing him and following him in the way that we live and act. God is so good and he wants us to fulfill that commission with him. He is who we can trust in. And it, it says, back to Psalm 56, you know, they tw- the enemy twists my words, schemes, conspires, lurks, all these, all these things that the enemy wants to do to, to just kind of whisper in your ear. But yet God reminds us that when we call for help, God is for me. If God is for us, who can be against us? We can know that God is so good. It says finally in 12 and 13, I am under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. That's echoed in John 8 12 where it says that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness because the light has come. He is the way, the truth, and the life therefore we do not need to fear because he has got this he is our good and faithful god and i oh so yeah i still yeah god is so good and i just oh the story of the israelites i just wanted to share with you but god knows that you don't need to fear you know and and even pastor mike he said with joshua joshua was told you know be strong and courageous do not be afraid for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that was his confession. You know, he was one of 12 leaders who were sent into that promised land, Canaan, that Pastor Mike mentioned. It's like they're standing on the edge of the Jordan River on the precipice of taking their promise. What is your promise that you're standing on the edge of? And then there's 12 people sent in to see what's gonna happen in the land, and they are sent back, and 10 of them said, "Uh uh-uh, that's a scary place we can't we can't go in there there's big people there's giants there, it's already inhabited these cities are already set up we can't take over that but that was God's promise so there was two out of those twelve leaders that were sent into the land who came back and said no no we can do this because we know that God is will take over these people we know what has been promised and therefore we can we can defeat them i love it numbers 14 it says don't rebel against the lord nor fear the people of the land for they are our bread their protection has departed from them and the lord is with us do not fear them those giants are our bread they are going to nourish us do you know that victory over your giants can nourish you You know, in Psalm 23, it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My enemies are surrounding me, but guess what? I'm going to feast because I know who I'm seated with at that table. I know my God is faithful, and therefore I do not need to fear my enemies that surround me. The giants that are in front of me. And I also know that the victory of that giant means there's there's a breakthrough for not only myself, but the generations after me to be able to walk in that, in that favor, in that goodness, in that in that right decision, even that God wants to bless you and bring just favor on your life. Out of the Israelites, you know, 1.5 million people, they believed the report of the, the 10 spies, the ten, the 10 who were sent in the land, those 10 leaders, they believed that report instead of what Joshua and Caleb held to, the promise of God. And like Monica said a few weeks ago, the majority is often wrong and we need to trust that what God has called us to, the absolute truth, that we will believe what others do not believe. And that's okay because we have God with us he will never leave us and never forsake us. That is promised New Test- Old Testament to New Testament that God is with us. He is our God. And one cool fact that I think is really just neat, and uh, you know, Melissa, when she preached about Jacob and his name got changed to Israel and how when a name changes, it means something in the Bible. Well, Joshua, who was sent into the promised land to check it out, he was actually named Hoshua, which means salvation. But Moses changed his name to Yahweh is salvation because Moses knew that there was gonna be a conspiracy, that there was going to be something that, a lie that was gonna to wanna to take him with, with them, but he wanted to protect his protege, his, like, cause Joshua was the one who succeeded Moses. There is favor that comes with, with the confession that says that God is that great, with, with attesting to the promises of God. And so Joshua needed to know that Yahweh, the Lord God, is your salvation. And I encourage you in that today. The Lord is your salvation. It is him who we need to fear, that we would fear him and not what man can do to us. Oh, this scripture, it says in Matthew 10, 28, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Who's more important to please? Who's more important to follow, to, to, to live a life for? We want to follow Jesus. And I just pray for each of you in this room that you would choose to follow Jesus. I know it's those, it can be those little things, not the big wow things like fighting a physically nine foot nine inch giant but it's saying yes or no at times where you know the Holy Spirit is leading you to. And so I just encourage you right now, you can stand to your feet and we are just gonna pray a prayer of saying yes to Jesus, of saying yes to who he is, of saying yes to trusting in him and following him and fearing him above anything that man can do. He is the way and the truth and the life. And if you've never prayed this prayer before, let it be a commitment in your heart of just saying yes to following Jesus. And if you pray this every week, I pray that these words would still be a confession of where your allegiance is gonna lie, that you would trust in God. You can repeat these words after me. Christ Jesus, we come before you now, imperfect and afraid at times, And we need you. We ask for you to transform our thinking. To open our eyes to the reality of heaven. That you are with us. That you came to rescue us. That you have forgiven us all our sins. And that you have paid the price for us. To have complete freedom. Help us to discern the lies that we hear. Help us to meditate on your truth. We want to follow you. You are the light in the darkness. You are the way and the truth and the life, and I want that life in you.